you're at a place you just discovered. And being an American Express Platinum card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Okay, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say nothing because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 361. I am all cozy in bed now. Okay, in the last three weeks, I've been to Portland, New York, London, Edinburgh, New York again, Baltimore, D.C., and back to Los Angeles. (laughs) This has been a lot of travel, even for me, But, uh, but it's nice. I like traveling. It's fun. But it is nice to be home. And uh, now I am uh, doing the intro for the podcast, which uh, never stops. The podcast never sleeps. It's always there for you. Like a creepy fairy godmother who can't really grant you any wishes other than just talk in your ears a lot. So she's kind of chatty. But she loves you. Uh, by the way, the last, uh, the season finale of the Nerdist television show, BBC America, is Saturday, June 1st. And uh, wait, is that is that correct? Is that going to be the date? June 1st? Yeah, Saturday, June 1st. Uh, and that episode's going to have uh, Seth Rogen and Zach Galifianakis. So tune in. It's uh, 10 o'clock p.m., BBC America. And uh, also, well, I'll get to this episode in a second, but first... I want to thank the sponsor for the Nerdist Podcast, LegalZoom. This month, LegalZoom celebrates innovation by helping you launch whatever type of dream you can uh, cook up with your brain. But when you do, make sure that you apply for a patent because you need to protect your business, register your trademark, protect your product services, incorporate from an LLC, launch your business dream, whatever it is, make it happen. Just call or visit LegalZoom.com and uh, they're going to help you from start to finish. They've helped out about a million businesses get started right. Celebrate innovation with LegalZoom, and for a limited time, get a special price on trademark, copyright, patent applications using the referral code NERDIST at checkout. Protect your creations and launch your dream at LegalZoom.com. LegalZoom can provide self-help services at your specific direction, or they can connect you to an attorney, but they are not a law firm. Don't forget to use the referral code NERDIST. And now here's this episode with Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. Uh, who we actually taped the episode of the Nerdist TV show that they're on, and then uh, we walked over to the studio and uh, recorded this podcast. And uh, this is a really fun hangout session. By the way, I'm trying not to wake Skydart, who is sacked out. It's not even that late. Well, it's not late by L.A. standards. 
It's like 10.30. I don't know what fucking time zone we're in. Sacked out is the most unpleasant way to describe me sleeping. Oh, that's adorable. She's talking in her sleep. <laughs> <laughs> what secrets will be revealed? I'm super sacked out right now, man. Oh, she's dreaming about sex. They better be mine. Saxophones. Okay, that's not mine. Um, here's Nerdist Podcast episode number 361 with Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. By the way, their uh, movie, This Is the End, opens uh, June 12th. And it's uh, Seth Rogen and James Franco and Jay Baruchel and Emma Watson and Danny McBride and Craig Robinson and Michael Sarah, And they all play themselves in the apocalypse. And so the movie, oh, yeah, June 12th. Uh, check it out. Well, then they check out this podcast first. Unless it's after June 12th, and then check out them simultaneously. That's not possible. All right. We're going to try to reacclimate ourselves to the West Coast time zone now. Hey, good night. Sex in my phones. Now entering Nerdist.com. Okay. <laughs> yeah, cool. I know, but I see Chris. I hate yeah. Canadian singers. If I'm like what? here, does it pick up enough? You sound great. Okay. Everybody sound great. What's the Canadian secret? What is it? Denim. Denim's a Canadian secret? All right, Maple man. syrup. Maple syrup. Don't get too fucked up tonight, Josh. I will. You got to work on Monday. There you go, buddy. That's what speaks to you. Canada, Whoa, money. Whoa, you got you some. ever read this? No, I want to. Read that. What does it say? It, like, is a weird metaphor for all of Canada in a poem. No. I described Canada perfectly once. What's I the said, poem? Uh, Canada took all of America's ideals and implemented them correctly. Yeah. What's What's the poem? What's what's the Winnipeg's poem? Winnipeg's not great. Yeah, the poem is uh, oh god damn it. That's gonna take some. Uh, Let there be man. I can. I have good eyesight. Oh good. <laughs> it, it, it sounded like you, you were trying to translate it. The winters of my childhood were long, long Whoa, I seasons. wasn't close. <laughs> we lived in three places. The school, the church, and the skating rink. But our real life was on the skating rink. And that's it. That's on your money? <laughs> that's what it says on our money. Yeah. That's, like, that's we on your fucking money. Uh, yeah, we don't play fucking hockey. Yeah, like, I don't feel I don't like this. play hockey, yeah. That's not a proper real life. You don't play hockey? Mine would be like, our summers were spent in the synagogue and playing video games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We played GoldenEye in the basement. Yeah. There's Canada, and then there's Jewish Canada. Yeah, exactly. Canadian Jews. Yeah, it's more logo on we just oh thank you we just recorded the the nerdist tv show and then you allowed us to scoop you into a booth to record uh-huh. a podcast we are really owning your souls today across a variety of media exactly it's nice yeah split between you we're, and our wives we're here <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> we're here already so <laughs> um seth uh the first time I saw young Seth Rogen, I believe the year was around 1998, 1999. It probably was, yeah. There was a, we were doing a, a stand-up show in Westwood. Yeah, at um, the Gypsy, I think Galfinakis was actually at, there. He probably was, yeah. at the Gypsy Cafe. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you showed up with Linda Cardellini. I did, yeah. And like her roommate was like friends with Lizzie Beckwith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who was an amazing comedian oh. who doesn't really do stand-up oh, anymore. Yeah, was it Beckwith? Yeah, she yeah. was yeah. super funny, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, yeah, but Elizabeth Beckwith had the great bit about, I don't do air quotes, I do air parentheses. Yeah, I remember that joke. Um, <laughs> did you go up that night or did you just show up? I think I did. I would perform sometimes. I wasn't that... I was okay. I, I was okay. I wasn't like that good at stand up. I wasn't like great. Did you, did you just any means. go to sort of absorb it, or what would you? What? I would go to uh, yeah to try to. It's kind of just when I was in high school. That's like the only place that I would know to go was to comedy clubs. Yeah. Really, like we would like the uh, talking shtick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were the the talking shtick. Like, was a, like a lesbian tea house is how. It yeah, exactly. Yeah, nice. we, wow. we'd go there. Wait, that was a real place. Yeah, that was a real place. Chris, don't you host the talking shtick? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, it's all after the show. Stick. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I was like 18 or something like that, and I just, yeah, I mean, I was new here. I was just trying to, yeah, like see who was funny, basically, and try to get in, in with them and uh, watch it. Yeah. Well, Canada has a very interesting kind of a comedy setup because there's sort of a, from what I understand, there's kind of a monopoly with comedy clubs on. Isn't doesn't Yuck Yucks have like a oh, monopoly yeah. across Canada? Yeah, and Yuck if you Yucks perform, if them. you perform anywhere else, they're like you're out. Yeah, it's really. And Yuck uh, Yucks isn't even that nice when you go into their places. No, they're weird Yuck Yucks, and but a lot, all the guys do it though. I think right, like I think well, the big comics all play yeah, at Yuck Yucks in Canada. I don't know. I right? I don't know. They're, have I, you I, done a Canadian tour? I have. Well, I've done I've done just for laughs a bunch. Yeah, and then um uh, and the Vancouver Comedy Festival, but. Toronto has a, a really cool place called the Comedy Bar, which yeah. is uh, which is a great little oh, great little room. Yeah. yeah, Vancouver. I don't know. When I was young, uh, we everyone would perform at this place called the Urban Well. That was like the big place in Vancouver. And this guy, like uh, like Brent Butt, who's now like on Canadian TV shows, would perform there. And uh, no one that really. I'm trying to think, I don't know of anyone really who like became just brand famous over Michael here. J. Fox. Michael, Michael J. Fox, yeah. yeah. Red Fox yep. would perform yeah. together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a father and son. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Fox Michael J. Hound. and Red Fox. <laughs> Red J. Fox. Fox. The, yeah. <laughs> the fantastic Mr. Fox. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All the foxes. Yeah. Jamie Fox. <laughs> Samantha Fox from yeah. Red. Mr. <laughs> fantastic. We could do this all day. And we will. Words are crazy. Yeah, um, yeah I remember. And uh, and then I saw you perform. Our friend Will Riser uh, would put on these comedy shows at El Cid that mm -hmm. I think yeah. uh, oh, I would yeah, see I you uh, like uh, uh, Hard and Firm yeah. you guys would perform there. Yeah, Will. Yeah. Uh, and and he, he was going out at the time with uh, Amy Simmons. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I was there. Yeah, what? Was there. Well, I was there. You were there too? Yeah. My first visit to LA. Yeah, because oh, wow. me and Evan met Will working on the LED show. And I met oh, cool. that uh, night yeah. at right. El Cid. Yeah, and yeah. Will introduced me to my wife. And we had a moment. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, there was a connection. And that's right around the time he was writing. That was like right before he got cancer. Yeah, it was and like. And wrote the script 50 50. Yeah. Which you were then in. Yeah. Bringing it all in. Right. Bring it in. Which is a all because of Chris Hart. Yeah, I like to think I'm the spoke that holds Hollywood together. But El Cid is still there. Like, it's still yeah, like, I think they still have flamenco. That place, yeah. when you go in, it looks like you're like, and any minute, this building's just going to fall in on itself. Yeah, it was really it's, scary there. Wait, was someone's that? old uh, studio, too. It's like a, like, yeah, WC Fields or there, right. DBs. Yeah, someone. Was that yeah. also the night, the one and only time when you were too stoned? When I ate like a weed brownie and had to leave. Yeah, that exactly, was that. Well, exactly <laughs> one time he was too stoned in life. That so was what, 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 what happens to you when you get stoned? I can't. I, just I can't. Had to leave. He turned into like classic paranoid thirteen-year-old stone person. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about this. We were just talking about that night. That was at El Cid. <laughs> Maybe you can tell me this because I've never, I've never really. There was one summer in like '97 when, my, when Mike Furman and I smoked pot a few times and stared at this. He got this light box from the sharper image. <laughs> <And> one, 
<laughs> and you, does the sharp image still exist? No, I don't think so. In catalog form. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So I think the way this thing worked is that it was like one of the wands was green and represented the bass, and one of the wands was red and represented the treble, and you'd hook it up to your stereo, and it would spin and create these insane flower patterns. That's pretty cool. So when you're super high, like if you're- That's what it feels like. But no, uh, <laughs> I just became like socially, it doesn't happen often. I just didn't no, want once. to, uh, yeah, happened it once. happened once. And I just left. I think I just was no, like, I have that. to leave. That's all I do when I get stoned. When I get stoned, I just go, see you guys later. And I yeah. just go home and take a nap. closest to being like, what did you do with my friend Seth? <laughs> <laughs> but then after that, I had one time where I smoked or pot or, or ate it or something. Uh, and then I thought, I'm having a stroke, and I, if I don't focus on breathing, I'm going to stop breathing. And then yeah. I never, ever was able to do it again. You mistaken general anxiety disorder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come to think of it, that does happen yeah. even when I don't smoke pot. <laughs> but, if you, but if you are prone to anxiety and anything weird happens in your body that you can't quickly identify, you're like... Uh, that's impending death. Yeah. Step, <laughs> stepping on, stepping on my throat. I'm, I don't know. Sometimes I'll have like a weird like heart pain, and then I'll be like, "Nah, it's fine." <laughs> You're able to do that? I always yeah, assume yeah. it's well, heartburn. Yeah, yeah. I always am like, yeah. oh, I had chili yesterday. Yeah, that's probably like, what like, it was. You go to the doctor, he's like, it's just gas. Here's some soda crackers. Yeah. You know? like, oh, you're right. Thanks, it's poutine. You had some exactly. bad poutine. <laughs> it's always poutine. Poutine basically is the Chicago pizza of uh, Canada, where no matter where you go, someone's like, oh, you went there? No, 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 no. Yeah, exactly. That's not where you go for Evan poutine. Evan actually is a, is a co-owner of a poutine food truck here in what? L.A. Yeah. Uh -huh. It was down the block just uh, yesterday. Called yeah. the gravy train. Oh, Dude, the gravy train. <laughs> would you, would you, <laughs> Evan started it. <laughs> Evan, giving you a lot of money. Would you please? <laughs> would you please? We have food trucks outside our our little comedy theater at Meltdown. We have food trucks there all the time for shows at night. Would you please bring that? The poutine I, I, truck. I, will. I love comics and also live two blocks away from Meltdown. I <sighs> only recently found out you guys do this there. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. we do it Come here because. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> We're really <like> fucking nerds. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, 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 Change the podcast name to the Raddest. Raddest. <laughs> <laughs> Still ISP. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did. I did a radio show in LA in the '90s, and we just decided to name it the Number One Morning Show. <laughs> And we would get these calls. We were like, congratulations. We're like, no, it's just the name. You can name some whatever you want. There's nothing. We should name our next movie the number one movie in America. The number one movie in America is the number one movie in America. Now, then the New York Post is really going to fuck you. The number one movie in America is the 10th movie in America. We're coming about Superbad. We're like, there's a version of this where the title really fucks Yeah, Superbad, you're really leaning with your chin. There was one thing. We got one where it was like, Superbad really is Superbad. Of course. You're like muzzle tub. You the did script, it. I, yeah. I have the script for Superbad, the, the shooting script. I think it's fucking phenomenal. Oh, thanks. It's great. You should that, see the movie. It's really good, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> Those guys ruined it. <laughs> you know what's irritating about that is not even so much getting a bad review, but like, Really, the hackiest thing in the world. And I know. That guy yeah, probably high fived himself. I know we're saying you're bad. Yeah, with. exactly. The yeah. hacky joke guy says yeah. the movie sucks. He should have put yeah. it on himself. Super bad made me super sad. It wasn't that good. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that that would have like been clever at least. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't? Do you ever feel like doing stand up at all? Ever? Does that t does that kind of eat away at you, or do you not uh, care? Not really. For funny people, like Judd uh, made us all do stand up for like months and months. Yeah. Remember those shows you did? Oh, like yeah, UCB. I saw the UCB. Yeah, yeah, I would do like UCB. Remember the one at UCB where Jonah killed it or the one where Jonah didn't kill I it? I saw it when he killed it when he did that fucking thing about <laughs> Hitch. 
Oh yeah, oh, so yeah, funny. Yeah. Such a funny joke. See it, that's such a funny joke. No fucking see it. Yeah, like the idea that Hitch is uh, Hitch is to dads what uh, the Big Lebowski is to guys like us. Yeah, it's <laughs> just like the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was like his first time, right? Yeah. And, yeah, then, yeah, and, then, and then he kept... Everyone was pissed off. Yeah. Him, John, I could see them all watching. But then he went up again yeah, and like bombed, and we were all like, oh, thank God. I wish God. I saw yeah. that, just because as a fellow Jonah, I was like, go and stand up now too? Fuck this Yeah, guy. he's literally never done it. I'm already the other Jonah. <laughs> just from, one, just from one set. Now he's doing stand-up. Yeah. <laughs> he grew six inches. Yeah. 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 He's got to do something with that hitch bit. You can't let it go. I know. It Sell it. You yeah. should take it. Uh, yeah. I'll just have my can I get that hitch? <laughs> it's a good bit. It's a great bit. Just but, by name rights, you should be able to absorb it. Exactly. Should Any be, funny thing he comes up with that he can't yeah, use goes to the next Jonah. The next Jonah in line. That's how <laughs> yeah. it works, right? But, and uh, if you kill the head Jonah, then you become the head Jonah. <laughs> <laughs> there could be only there one Jonah. Only one. <laughs> Jonah <Yeah>. Landers. <laughs> uh, it was okay. I wasn't that good at it. I don't know. It sucks doing something that you just know you're not as good at as everyone else who's up there doing it, basically. Like, I could just see, like... <laughs> very solid you I was okay best. at it but I wasn't like I like you know I feel like when we like when we write movies we're not like the best at it but like I feel like we're pretty good at it but like yeah I mean I remember we actually me and Joda both performed at uh we were like kind of feeling good and we both performed the improv and then Louis C.K. showed up and like it was like a Who concert. Like well, it was like fucking crazy. And then he literally came back. He like and then we performed and he, he literally sat in the back and watched us and came uh, up to us after. It was like, so you guys are like playing comedians or something? <laughs> we're like, yeah. He's like, yeah. Not, he's like, I remember he pointed at me. He's like, you're okay. And he pointed at Jonah. He's like, you need a lot of work. Oh, we're just like, no. oh, it was like the most oh, brutal wow. thing ever. See, that's not where I thought you were going with that. I thought you were yeah. going to be like, I, I was I was ready to yeah. say like, you can't compare yourself to Louis C.K., yeah. but when Louis C.K. No, he compared up, himself yeah. to yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. Like, we were like, oh, we can't compare ourselves. So like, he's coming over and he's comparing himself. So I just want to let you know <laughs> you guys are, better at this you're right. Yeah. You can't compare yourselves to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> On a Louis scale of one to ten, you're not Louis. You got, you got three Louis. <laughs> Here's how you are. You, are not, you not drift me. back into the Louis Anderson scale. I'm like six Louis Andersons. I'd watch that Diving we love well, the diving show. You guys are Canadians, so there's a metric Louis scale. So it's exactly. ten Louis. Yeah, yeah. Get makeup Louis. We're, we're six hundred yeah. Louis. You're like a you're like a you're like a heck of Louis makes. A, <laughs> I was on the Family Feud with Louis Anderson. Were you really? Yeah, the cast of uh, Freaks and Geeks was yeah. like on the Family Who Feud. Who were you against? Look at the cast of the show Popular. Oh yeah, like that. Leslie oh. Bibb. Leslie Bibb. Yeah. yeah, and. uh I tanked it in Fast Money. I was actually saying to Evan, when we played that game on your show just now, it kind of looked like the Family Feud. A little bit, And yeah. it gave me, like, a bad flashback <laughs> <laughs> to uh, when I totally tanked it on our we, Family Feud. We were feud. in China for the Green Hornet, and he was on some weird show that went for three hours. It was, like, a variety show. And they had this game where they brought out, like, 25 bowls of different chicken dishes. And, like, the object of the game never became apparent. <laughs> so was just like, was like taste something, go like this, and everyone would start like carrying an L bit from the 90s. Yeah, well, that's like, weird. Yeah, that's like, like, like Weird Al was saying, when Eat It got really big, they sent him to Japan and to do this comedy show, and, and he still to this day has no idea what was happening. Yeah. But he started singing Eat It in, Jap in Japanese. He learned it in Japanese. And then he said this old guy in a lobster camp outfit came out and started demanding that Al eat him. <laughs> 
And then <laughs> did he? No, he didn't know. He didn't know what to do, so he just did a pratfall. Uh, Al just jumped on the ground. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, leave my stocking. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really amazing for a guy like for a guy that I think people, you know, probably go, Oh, you're probably a big stoner all the time. You get a fucking lot of shit done. Yeah. We do a lot. That's the other side of the coin. Cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> now we're talking. The weed's just a screen. Exactly. It's literally it's a, a smoke screen. <laughs> it's a literal smoke screen. <laughs> For much more dangerous yeah. drugs. Uh, yeah, we, uh, we're productive stoners, I guess you would say. Uh, I like ever. I remember like not wanting to work when I... I actually think some people I know would be more productive if they smoked more weed, which sounds like a stupid Most thing to say. Would. Most people wouldn't. Did but you, some people Did would. you know that about Kevin Smith? That yeah, exactly. Well, because I find... 70 podcasts? No, that I just was like... Because yeah, I, I think you're, weed all the you're time. responsible for his weed smoking. I know, and I didn't realize that at all. To me, that was just like a casual night of smoking weed. And to Kev, that was like a life-altering moment, <laughs> <laughs> which is great. But, uh, yeah, like, I think some people, like, hate working because they just want to go home and smoke weed. But if you incorporate it into your work life, <laughs> then then you're willing to work longer That's and more, That's when Doug Benson started getting really big. Is when he just, yeah, he exactly. Like, he just, yeah. like, you know what? All the time. Yeah, I think some people <laughs> yeah. have to mesh it. Or else it's like, or else they they resent their job because it's preventing them from doing what they really want to be doing, yeah. Yeah. which is just get high. <laughs> I would need a defibrillator around at all times. <laughs> uh, this is not going to work anymore. I would just be zapping myself. <laughs> How do you, what's your process of, you know, when you, uh, do, is it, is it sort of based around one idea or is it, I want to get this group of people together and then we want to make something or how do you guys, how do you guys work and it's, how does the writing process work the, for you guys? The least interesting version of anything you can have. Like we show up and it's like, what do we need a movie uh, where this happens? Yeah. It always just starts with a morning where one of us had an idea the night before, yeah. brings it, says it excited. We generally think it's rad for like four hours and that we're going to make it next and then we put it in a pile with like 50 other things like that. Well, that's yeah. a that's an interesting point is how do you because, you know, you can I think I think it's easy if you're a creative type to get addicted to that feeling of aha, innovation. Yeah. And then when it really comes down to now we got to build this thing, then it's not as this is not as fun in yeah. that in that process. So how do you stay engaged and how do you keep it exciting? I think some movies just kind of keep being entertaining and those are like the really like this like this is the end is a good example like we made the short film like six years ago and and it was just like the idea just like kept being funny to us like it, it just like kept coming back when we would talk about ideas we thought were funny we just kept being like oh man a big fucking apocalypse movie where all of us are actors like it just kept being entertaining and it's almost like a darwinistic process where just like the the ideas you like the most are the ones that kind of hang out the longest and those are the ones that you ultimately do. But I think, but I think like something, it's sometimes hard to figure them out. Like it literally took like years to figure out like where this is the end could go as a movie. Like just like literally like how it could not just be like, like where it could go. And like the idea ultimately like what happens in the third act is like, you know, we kind of bring in this like redemptive idea, but like just the, like to come up with that took us like years. We're just like, what happens in this movie, you know? And, uh, and like, yeah, like we have some movies that literally like we've been trying to do for years and years and years and they they're hard to make. We have this animated movie we've been trying to make like that kind of fuels you. Exactly. It kind of fuels you like well, sometimes the longer people don't want to make them. Yeah, you're like, we'll fucking show you. Yeah, exactly. And, and you make them crazier and crazier because you're just like, ah, if no one wants to do it, let's just make it even more fucking crazy because no one's doing it anyway. And then. And then sometimes they make those eventually, and then those are, like, the craziest ones. I think, is, I think a big yeah. thing is just, like, when you get pitched a shitty idea from someone else, you're like, 
No, our idea about the traveling time, traveling space monkey laser yeah, exactly. is more fun to work on than whatever we've been Exactly, yeah. Something, stuff. Yeah, you get ideas and you're just like, ah, we should just, I'd rather do nothing and try to get that fucking crazy movie going than just work on. Can you even, can, can you even, are you able to go work on a movie just as an actor, like someone else's thing and just let it, or do you, are you kind of addicted to like, ah, I gotta get my hands in there and I need to be involved in the. It's not even like it's just not very engaging, honestly, for me to like just be an actor. It feels like one fraction of an actual full time job, you know. Like it just, I'm not, you know, I'm not. Your, your fellow actors are not going to take <laughs> exactly. But, but honestly, but I think it reflects honestly my approach to acting largely. <laughs> like I'm not the kind of actor that like does it. To, you know, Daniel Day Lewis is acting 24 hours a day. I'm acting. I'm not even acting every second I'm on camera. Like. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I'm trying to squeeze it out but it's not always you know so it you know I, it's just not my favorite thing to you know to do honestly out of like all the parts of the process I like being I like I like uh you know like a movie like this is the end like it's just fun to be in a big crazy movie that you know that you would like but like the actual like day-to-day -day acting is probably like my least favorite part of the whole process because it's the most like structured. Like you, you have to stand here and say this, and you say the same things over and over. It gets boring, and it's like it's just like taxing. And these other guys are really good at it. And you just see James Franco; he could like just scream all day. And I'm just like, man, like these guys are way better at this than me sometimes. You were, you were really great in uh, Take This Waltz. Which Thank is a, you. Which is a movie that fucked me up for a while. Yeah, I actually uh, was not. Yeah. I, I was actually not able to watch the movie based on Jonah's reaction to the movie yeah. because it, it was fucked me up real bad. And then like, but like, well, the thing that I really loved about like uh, the weird kind of like a uh, jump cut of your all the emotions you were going through after she broke up with you yeah. was like. I don't know. The whole thing was fucking too close to home for I think anyone that's gone through a breakup. That's yeah. what. That's like it just. It sounded like such a real account of what that feels like that yeah. I, I didn't emotionally. I was like, that's. I think I can't. I think I'm gonna be too bummed. Yeah. yeah. Like I watched it on a plane. I was just like, no, fuck, no. And then like I was like, I, I was trying to tell my uh, girlfriend about it, and I was like, it's a bit. I don't know who to root for. I just like, <laughs> I'm like yeah, fuck that rickshaw guy. He's just busy making his fucking cookbook. <laughs> Cut him some slack for Christ's yeah. sake. Yeah, uh, well, that was, I mean, but it is fun. I honestly don't get asked to, uh, like, be in a lot of other people's movies. Like, and, and I'm not, like, it's not, I'm not, like, being humble or anything. Like, I literally don't get asked to be in a lot of other people's movies. And the guy's on the league like you to do this. Exactly. And that's what, like, I pretty much do anything anyone ever asked me to do. So, like, when, so Sarah Pauly was like, I wrote you a part in this movie. And I was just like, fuck yeah, I'll do it. I mean, it, it was... More than anything, I felt like if she thinks she needs me, then I should do it just for her purposes more than my own, you know? Um, but yeah, it, I, I do like like being a part of the team that's making the movie. Like, I like being able to, you know, talk to everyone and be a part of the whole creative process and just acting sometimes. It's fun sometimes, but it's just... It can be just not as engaging as all the others. When you guys, uh, when you guys wrote this uh, latest movie, were you like, "Oh, let's check with Michael Sarah before we throw him in the script"? Yeah, we went to uh, we went to all the main guys. Yeah. Like we, yeah, went we, we deduced like we need these six guys. That's all that matters above everything. So else. just just a little yeah. background for people who haven't seen the the movie yet, or, or actually, this will go up the week that the you know, yeah. probably right before the movie comes out. But this is the end. Is basically you all play yourselves. Uh, you and Jay Baruchel and Craig Robinson and Emma Watson and mm -hmm. James Franco and Aziz. There's a bunch of great cameos in there. Aziz and, and Danny Kaling. McBride. Danny McBride. And uh, and then you guys are at a party at Franco's house and then you go to get cigarettes and then the apocalypse happens. Yeah. 
But but before that, but but before that, Michael Sarah is uh, is t- is totally just shitting all over himself in the movie. He's being crazy. Yeah, we uh, he does cocaine. He has a threesome. He. Uh, Blows cocaine in Crispin's pasta's face. <laughs> this is one of my favorite parts. So not that far from the real Michael. <laughs> exactly. What we feared this kind of was like there was only like so many ways to approach people playing themselves. It was like they either kind of play into what you expect them to be, or they play like way against what you expect them to be. So like the six main guys, we went to them before we even wrote the movie, and we're just like, like we don't want to spend like a fucking year writing a movie at James Franco's house if we don't know if James Franco wants to do it or not. So we went to them. And they all seemed intrigued by the idea, and they kind of gave us the go-ahead. And then everyone else, we kind of just, it was like a wish list. We're like, what if Michael Sarah did this and Emma Watson? And, and, and we, it, it was like a game, like, we got Aziz. So then Kevin Hart was like, well, maybe I'll do it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we got yeah. Kevin Hart, so then, like, three other people were like, well, if Kevin's doing it, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and eventually we got, like, a ton of people, and it was really... Uh, and I think, like, it became one of those things where, like, everyone saw how far everyone else was pushing it that, like, it almost became, like, a little competitive. Like, people were willing to push it even farther and mock themselves maybe a little harder than they normally but, would but it, but it is But it is interesting, though, because it, there's almost that little piece of it. I know I said this on the TV show. There's almost that little piece of it of you guys nodding to the audience and go and, and kind of saying, like, I know what you say about me behind oh, my yeah, back. Totally. Like, and it's fun for all of us to do that. Like, honestly, like it's it's relieving for 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 us, honestly. I think it's like relieving for Franco to be able to acknowledge that people view him as like a pretentious, pretentious Franco artsy guy. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and it's totally. like it's fun for us to make a joke about Green Hornet. Like it's nice to let people know like that we're kind of in on these things, that we're not like completely fucking oblivious to how we're perceived in in pop culture in a lot of ways, you know? And so it was like relieving in a lot of ways. We got to make all the jokes that like we actually make to each other on screen as opposed to like having to do it through characters. You know? I did, so that, so like when you first pick up Jay Baruchel at the airport and there's like the TMZ guy and he's like, Seth, do the laugh, do yeah, the laugh. Yeah, do the Seth Rogen laugh. Yeah, and, uh, and I did it. But that's what they do all the time. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, it was... I mean, and it it is like it's super meta. I mean, it's like the weirdest fucking thing ever. How like meta it would be. Yeah, there's extra little layers. There's a song in a scene with Seth and Franco that's by a band that Franco's in, and Franco's the singer of the song. We we try to get every little. Yeah, there's a lot of layers. I really, I said, anybody a painter? We'll put your paintings up on the wall. Franco painted all the paintings. All the paintings. Actually, while we were making the movie. Oh my god, I love that. Between takes. He would paint like people yeah, like those set. Uh, well, like like there's a scene where I, we show up at his house and he's painted my name on a big painting, and that literally <laughs> happened. Like he showed up like a week early to New Orleans, Wait, and we're no, like, Josh Smith. yeah, Josh Smith, who's actually like a pretty famous painter, and they he's like, I want to paint the painting in my apartment, and we they we gave him like this big space, and I showed up to look at the paintings, and the, the first thing I saw was like a 20 foot canvas that said Seth Rogen, on <laughs> and it was like just like he's like, do you like it? I was like, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I don't think it's okay. good for movie. There's a big pineapple express, a recreation of the poster that yeah. he did. Yeah, he well, painted a lot of the shit. That, that's also fun, too, is you guys are basically pitching the sequel to Pineapple Express in This is the yeah. End. And then we make it. <laughs> and, then, and then you make it. You, you sweet it, basically. You yeah, guys kind of sweet it. Yeah, we actually make it. Uh, yeah, I mean, and what's funny is that is actually our idea for a sequel for Pineapple <laughs> Yeah, we talked about it for years with like, David Gordon Green and all the guys. Yeah, like, if we stuff. were to actually ever make it, that is now the, what, the story what, we what? came up with. <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> two, thing, two things I want to say is, uh, first of all, uh, I thought the special effects of the movie, and I told you in the show, were fucking awesome. And thank you so again. much. Thank you so much. So yeah. much. It's like that that I was not expecting that part of it. Like, oh fuck, that thing looks awesome. We've done so much stuff over the last few years that we hadn't done before Green Hornet with explosions and stuff, but Green Hornet had like 
almost no visual effects. Yeah. We just actually blew stuff up. So this is the first time we had to like get in there and like have a laser pointer and be like, the color of his ear is weird. There's a haze around his knee. Yeah. Can that texture be more like uh, it was, a moth? It was really mind-numbing. You spend like hours hypothesizing how like fake light is bouncing off of fake objects uh, yeah. in like fake space. It's super yeah, fucking it's, weird. It's like a philosophy class. Yeah, it's really yeah. strange, but... It's especially strange because you know that in the room... We know the least. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Every time you go to visual effects room, you know less than everybody. Yeah, but you make up, it like a here. Well, eventually we just get people like it looks kind of whack. Like is that, is yeah, that an acceptable like, note? Less shitty. Yeah, <laughs> you make it look less whack. Well, so what? Since I don't, I don't fully understand the you know like the structure of the movie business in the sense of like if you guys all want to make pineapple express the sequel what stops that from happening so many different things yeah uh, uh the wackest thing we've learned is like the budget's always weird <laughs> the wackest the wackest, <laughs> <laughs> the wackest. <laughs> that'll be our uh, podcast yeah, it's yo, let FG get, talk, yeah, dogs. Yeah. <laughs> whack talk. Yeah. We all just say whack. Uh, you could just make that up, and I'd be like, okay, yeah. I guess they all say that. Okay. And then I'm going to go to Canada. We did like, so, yeah. We told someone uh, tugging the moose's tail was like yeah. an expression yeah. recently <laughs> that people believe it. Like, you're tugging the moose's tail on that one. around Canada is. Yeah, uh, it's blind to anything. That's really funny. So what? What are the what? What does stop a movie like that from being made? it's like. When we first made it, everyone was nobody. Now everybody... It's money, good. mostly. So, like, you know, like everyone has to take cuts to their pay to make it affordable. But if they do that and they want back end, but then can everyone get enough back end? And it's just yeah. all different layers of yeah money. It's hard, yeah. It, I think, like, financially, it's confusing to do a sequel for, like, a movie like that. Because, like, the studio made so much money off the first one, and then that's what they want for the second one. So they want to pay the same thing. Yeah, so literally, and all the actors are like, well, we made you so much, we got paid shit for the first one. And so right. it literally, it is all about money. Is But, but it's not something that any of us, honestly, if we all sat down and were like, we're fucking doing it, then we would just do it. It's not something that we all are like dying to do at this exact moment. I mean, we kind of like, this is the end was almost like a pineapple express sequel. Honestly, like it has essentially the same cast and we're all just screaming at each other, running around like idiots. So it's basically the same thing. Do you need so. the, do you need the studio system still? Or do you, do you feel like, Oh, you know, we could make, just make something on our own. Yeah, and the fact that they're the distribution outlets, means yeah. that you, you, even when we haven't made movies with the studio, you eventually come back around to needing the studio. Sure. Yeah. Like the distribution is what, like it sucks so hard. It sucks to work really hard on making a movie and then not have, have it be released in a good way like like to not have people see it and like say what you will about studios but like they put movies in front of a lot of eyeballs and like right. some do it like really well like sony like markets the shit out of our movies and like they like the pineapple express campaign was great like they've come up with really good stuff and when you don't have a major studio sometimes just like i've seen it with my wife made a very small independent movie with, last with year. Goon that I made. He made this movie Goon last year, even with 50-50, which was like a pretty small movie we made. Like they all still got out there. And they they got well, out there, but, but you the just see, yeah. like, don't let them. Yeah, fail. when you don't have like a big studio infrastructure behind you, it's really hard to like get a good like a ton of people then to see a movie. Kind of kings. Well, that's why. Yeah. That's why people, you know, like that whack ass king speech shit. What's called him for stuttering foul? Greetings, wax. Damn it! Royal family, the whack pack is more alive. 
<laughs> we should rename the show the Whack Pack <laughs> for whenever we come on. Seth, Seth Rogen and the Whack Pack in the morning. We're the Whack Pack. That'll be our Wolf Pack. We're the Whack Pack. Is it even, uh, you know, when, when so you spend you spend a lot of time making, I mean, I to me, I, I the thing I love about stand-up is like, oh, you do it, the set goes well, the set doesn't go well, whatever, it's over, you can do it again right away. But you spend months, years, Work years working on a movie and then it comes out and then oh fuck it didn't turn out exactly the way we wanted or people didn't go see it yeah. are, are emotionally are you able to let it go like once it's released or do you do and take all that shit on afterwards nothing ever goes away and you take it all away. yeah you take it on <laughs> definitely like it, it it i mean not for a huge amount of time but the thing is if like the movies if the movie's actually good which you know not every movie we've worked on is but when they are actually like really good then like that, then it actually doesn't matter how well they do because like you will reap the benefits of like the quality of the movie, you know? Yeah, like 50-50 like, wasn't a major landslide of money for us per se, but people like respect Yeah, but and more. it's given us a lot of opportunities to like work with people that probably would have never worked with us had we not made that movie because it turned out good, you know? Um, and so like, like, like Observer Report's another good example. Like that movie like, didn't make very much money and like didn't wasn't even critically very well received but like it is just an awesome movie so Jody was able to get you know like he could continue working on movies so like it's not like if the movie's awesome and it doesn't make a ton of money it's not like you are shunned from anything really I mean it it, it it's you're denied a lot of great things happening but you aren't like necessarily shoved off into a corner if you've just made something awesome so that's what's nice. And after years of making movies that both have done pretty well and really shitty, you slowly, it becomes easier when they do shitty because you have like some faith that they'll let you keep going in some capacity. And then there's the dirty flip side where you make a shitty movie, but it just makes a bunch of money and you feel dirty and good. Exactly. Yeah. Like I was honestly, sometimes it's better that they don't make a lot of money. Sometimes I'm like happy. Like a lot of people didn't go see it. Cause I'm like, oh, poof, wow. like it's not <laughs> I was with the girl last night and she pulled a dirty flip side and it was fucking awesome. Oh wow. <laughs> the dirty flip side. That's the signature move of the whack pack. Exactly. <laughs> the whack pack. <laughs> that, the dirty flip side. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, you know, I think, you know, a movie like, 50-50 is, I think, a, a smart long-term career play because it allows you to show people, like, so we don't always just do one kind of movie. Yeah. We actually are pretty versatile. Do you feel, I feel like there's this sense that the film industry is this weird giant that just stares at everything that's happening in Hollywood and they're like, he did that so he can never do that again. Like, do you feel like there is a a kind of a Borg-like system that dictates what you can and can't do or can you pretty much get around like it? I that exists, but we are not... Yeah, there. and we, you can we, find ways to we're circumvent. We're subversive enough that we're just like to the side of the, of anything like that. I think. Yeah, it's and it's like all about like we just try to make movies that aren't that expensive. I think it, now now the after Green Hornet that was like the lesson we learned is like <laughs> stay out of like the budgetary world where like they give a shit about what you right. do. Right. The whole thing is like if Cato just told him to go fuck himself. Yeah, right exactly. Now, <laughs> that'd be so much more. I know. Fun. And if this movie cost eighty million less dollars, we could do that. But um, so I think like. I think, like, in creatively thinking of whatever idea you want to do, you have to put a dollar value on how much you want to make it for that's realistic. And I think that's why some people are like, they won't make my movie. It's because you made, like, you wrote a $400 million movie that's about, like, a fucking, you know, dude who's lonely. Like, it, like I think a lot of people sometimes... That's called Batman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's good. But I think <laughs> sometimes people's ideas, like, don't realize their ideas don't warrant the amount of money they're looking for. And, like... 
Like they make they make hundred thousand dollar movies. They make the most boring fucking movies on earth all the time. Like if you approach it right, you can get almost any movie made in some capacity. You know, it's yeah, just like when, we, when we were writing Superbad in our teens, our our strategy was like we will get jobs, we will make ten thousand dollars, we will buy a camera, and then we will go make Superbad. Yeah, exactly. And that was like we the script was funny, so we're like yeah. even our version of it will get us something, will get us a job, will get us something. So. Like we were just trying to get on this hour has uh what is it? This hour is twenty two minutes. Yeah, <laughs> you don't know the Canadian TV show. This hour is twenty two. God damn it! But I think it, I, think I know the Red ways. Green show. Yeah, you do. That's yeah. actually that's <laughs> That show's not funny. <laughs> I don't get it. Oh, thank God! I thought I, was I watched that. And I'm like, who are these people? Like, what is this? This is the dry. You, like, you need to drink water. Like, this is the driest comedy. I'm feeling parched. Even watching this. <laughs> Weird provincial Canadian people almost telling jokes. I don't get it at all. <laughs> is it? Does it? Does the success or does the you know like like get millions of dollars for things? Does that is it a head trip at all or is it pretty fucking nice or do you feel more pressure or do you Just like how did more. it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but because honestly, it's you know, I mean, you guys were all doing well before, but then it was like it got really good. It seemed like I, being a lifeguard, I was not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> he taught Aquafit for a few years. Really? Uh, before yeah. I started eating food. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was funny. I, I looked no different. Like. <laughs> I, I found it, out you can get paid like 25 bucks for 45 minutes. That's a good deal. That's not bad. <laughs> that's, not, that's not bad at all. Buys a lot of poutine. You double uh, it, you're a stripper, but I'd never buy it. <laughs> but uh, is, 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 is that part of the success thing? Is that head trippy or how do you... Yeah, it's super weird. It's super, super, super weird. I was literally like sitting, eating chili at my dining room table just today, being like, this is fucking crazy. Like, <laughs> I have a dining room table. <laughs> Who saw that coming? I just, got a, I just got a house six months ago or seven months ago, and all I ever think is like, I own that palm tree. Yeah, right. Like, you can go. Palm tree and I, oh, I can <laughs> sell it if I want. Yeah. Yeah. You can uproot it and sell that palm tree. Uh, but honestly, I, like, one of the best things about it is that that you get to do crazier movies, I think. Like, it's that. You, you're not like fully thinking like, oh, I need this to do well or else I won't have any money. You, you can think like, yeah, I have some money. Now I can make just ridiculous shit that we think it is It doesn't funny. hurt that I, in my head I was going to run a YMCA swimming pool and you were going to be a broke comic in Vancouver. Exactly. That's the thing. <laughs> we both had very low expectations of ourselves. Yeah. Like, my I, big I, goal I, was college, like a junior college professor. Yeah. I, I thought I would just be like a, like a stand-up comic. Like that was kind of like my only aspiration. And, and then... And now, like, honestly, like, like just writing movies, like, if you were just like, that's all you guys got to do anymore, like, it would suck a little, but it, it's not that, it's it's fine. Like, I think um, it's, we're so lucky. It's fucking great. I mean, Freaks and Geeks, you, you know, you work on the show that seemingly everyone loves, but doesn't pull the numbers or whatever that the network needed to see, but a show that is beloved and still people look yeah. back and go, fuck, I wish we had gotten more episodes of that, yeah. of that show. Like, did that... How did that prepare you for what 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 was ahead? I think very well. I was weaned off failure from good things. <laughs> like like uh, like that's that was my introduction to Hollywood. Was 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 being on. I was on Freaks and Geeks. It was great. It got canceled immediately. Then I was in this movie Donnie Darko. Actually, it was the first movie I was in. It was like a huge cult hit. 
and like nobody fucking saw it at all. It was like a massive failure. And then I did Undeclared, which was like a great TV show. We all, you know, it was super funny. And then it was canceled even faster than Freaks and Geeks was canceled. So and then I came along. Exactly. <laughs> and then I came. He literally was your career lifeguard. Yeah, exactly. And I then said he needs me. And I did you have Did you have the whistle and the and the yeah, dioxide on the nose? Yeah. Get out of the pool, Seth. Yeah. 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 Runs up to you and said, "I felt something." <laughs> but it was it was good. It was good preparation because it like it really showed you like it doesn't matter how good shit is, people won't necessarily like it. But it also showed like if it's good, like it'll kind of live on, and like you will be able to keep working off of the fact that you at one time made something that didn't suck. You're talking about karma. I'm not talking That's about karma. karma. You fucking hippie. <laughs> <laughs> do, you ever, do, do, you, do you ever think, we could make a Freaks and Geeks movie, like get everyone together? I mean, you sort of do that in a way. Yeah, there are, we're almost all in this it, is the end in some capacity. But we, uh, I don't know, it would be... It'd be weird because it'd be past college at this point. Yeah. They would have to be a adult. They'd have their own kids. Yeah. <laughs> They'd be the teachers. Uh, oh. I would do it. Why the fuck Or not? use an X-Men tech and make them all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just de age us. Patrick Stewart us. You replace James Franco with Dave Franco. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or do, the, or do that, that, that Bruce Willis thing in Surrogates where everyone oh, just yeah. had the weird. Josh Gad could be me. <laughs> Give yourself some credit. <laughs> That's so fucking funny to say that. Exactly, yeah. We just recast ourselves. <laughs> it's not a bad idea. That would be amazing. He could be that girl from Friday Night Lights, uh, Amy T, the, the, the well, coach's well, daughter. Now, well, now with, now with Veronica Mars, everyone's rushing to Kickstarter to be like, we have the right guy. I know. Everyone's rushing to give their money to movie studios. Which yeah. is like, <laughs> same, same. It's awesome. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Warner Brothers started a Kickstarter page. You guys, they don't have any more Harry Potter movies left. We have to give them money. I do. I do have to say, it, I don't know. I don't know why this sort of like. I, I guess this because I'm just a fucking fanboy of things. But but seeing Emma Watson in your movie go, everyone get the fuck back. I was like, oh my god, she swore. I don't know why. Even at my age, that still was like. Well, when I first saw William Shatner say shit, it really threw me for a loop. Yeah, yeah. Emma like, swearing oh. freaks people out a little bit. I remember what happened in in the room. Everyone was like. <laughs> oh my god yeah and she's pretty badass in the movie she is badass mm -hmm. that axe is bigger than she is <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. whack pack <laughs> we're talking Emma Watson today on the she gets four M's and three H's <laughs> all I think of is Howard Stern's whack pack so I try to be like who's Beetlejuice <laughs> I know <laughs> oh, we all are <laughs> At this point, what is uh, <laughs> what, what what is the what is the horrible question that you always get asked in interviews? Like when you sit down, and you're doing a press junket, and then someone thinks, "Oh, I'm going to be the first person to ask this question," and then they're the millionth person to ask that question. Uh, it's a good question. It's kind of movie specific. Like like it's funny. Like we always joke around. Like the cast members of whatever movie you're doing, like you can tell early on, like. Which, like, fucking guilt trip is just like, what's Barbara Streisand like a million fucking times in a row? And, like, this, it will be like, what's it like to work with your friends? What's it like to play yourselves? Like, it's always like, for every movie, there is two things that everyone will ask you. But it's okay. I mean, you know, it's doing press is not. They're the, in, but but there are <laughs> questions that are unanswerable. You cannot, yeah. 
properly say, oh, working with this person is akin to yes. this experience. Exactly, yeah. It's like, play, it's like playing street hockey in roller skates. But what's funny is, like, I actually slowly begin to resent the journalists that try to mix it up. Like, I... I'm <laughs> Oh my god, is that like, happening right I'm now? So is that happening right now? It's so on autopilot. That just, yeah. It's like when they try to ask me like a, a, a curveball question, yeah. it's like, fuck you, just ask me how it is to work with my friends. <laughs> I know, I know the art, answer. Yeah. What does art mean to you? Yeah, Barbara's exactly. crazy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Barbara's bobs is nuts. <laughs> they, they try to like David Frost you or something. I know, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Even just when it's a little different. Sometimes I'll just try to be thoughtful and I'll just be like, uh oh. Well, those, the, 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 the press junket days are so weirdly unnatural. Oh, it's just the worst like, thing in the world. Eight hours, and they just parade person after person, and yeah. you have to sit there and be like, oh, it's like crazy. It's like actually crazy. Is there a Most level days. you can get to where you say no to press junkets? I always think like there is, and then I see, I literally like keep track of who still yeah, like, and does. See I literally see like Will Smith still fucking doing like, it. He's still doing it. On. You can't stop. Yeah, they like they make you keep fucking doing it. Yeah, anybody I, who does that, it's like, what happened to them? Yeah, yeah. Where they're at. <laughs> but I could, I've never seen one. Second of one of those interviews I've ever done on one of those press junkets, <laughs> and I've spent like, like collective like six months of my life talking to them. It's like truly crazy. Yeah, like, Jonah after his his whole Oscar run was just like, I understand why like Brad Pitt and these guys are so famous. They just work harder. Yeah, so, like, they just do it. Like they do shit that I like am afraid to do because I don't want to do it again for the million. And they just do it. Yeah, like you just got to do it. Oh, like we were on the. Sony it gets embarrassing doing it with your friends. Oh yeah, like this wait, was wait, a wait, defining you moment. Tell it was from your perspective. Yeah, it was like <laughs> this was like. Yeah, the moment I realized I will never be the most famous guy. It's uh, I was we were walking into Sony and Will Smith was walking out. I'd never met him. I'm like, holy shit. And so he came over and I said hi to Will Smith. And then there was like a Sony tour walking by with like 50 tourists in it. And we avoid these like all Like the I avoid them like the fucking plague. And so me and Will Smith both turn our heads and see the tour. And at the same moment, I go, fuck. And I start walking away from the tour. He goes, hey, everybody. <laughs> and walks over to the tour and literally took pictures with Every single one of the people Shit. in the tour, and I was like, "You deserve every penny, Will oh, Smith. <laughs> you can have it, man." Man, I'll Will be, Smith, you get yeah. all the shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll be with the whack pack. <laughs> whack pack, don't talk to tourists. Exactly. Exactly. Whack pack, hide from tourists. I'll be in my car smoking yeah. weed. <laughs> Do you yeah. feel like you're a pretty? Uh, are, are you guys? You're pretty pretty happy, upbeat guys in general. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, good. Is there, is yeah. it when you guys got your first big paycheck, what was the, what was the weird thing you bought? And massage how big was it? I went to, you a I went to relax chair. the back and bought the best massage chair. I, I, was, I, was driving my, I was driving my grandmother's Maxim that she gave me. Yeah, yeah. Maxima. Yeah. And Nissan, it was yeah. get a new car or massage chair. And I went massage chair and I have it and I use it every day and it's the best thing I've ever bought. Still. The Maxima? Thank you so much. The Maxima, yeah. <laughs> he had it installed in the Maxima, actually. <laughs> Seth, is yours as thrilling as the massage chair? Uh, what did I buy? I don't know. Can't get much more thrilling than a fucking Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Unless he has a blowjob chair. I have one of those. salad tossing chair. Yeah. I had someone ask me if I ever did that a few months ago. Really? We were having a party. What'd you say? Yeah, fuck your chair. Jason Stone, executive producer of This Is The yeah. <laughs> was looking at the chair while someone was sitting. He was like, you ever turn around and just stick your dick in it? <laughs> I was like, no, but it'll probably happen now. Yeah. <laughs> now you know. <laughs> you, walk, you get back home and you just see the chair. You're like, oh, hi. It's you. Uh, it's awkward. awkward. Yeah. I know we were laughing just a second ago, but did you fuck the chair? <laughs> All seriousness. I really didn't know. Fuck that chair. Fuck that chair. Fuck that chair. Yeah. 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 Yeah
dad's uh, laughing. Call in with your chair fucking stories. <laughs> One time I fucked my girl's chair real good. It's a folding chair. I am horribly injured. <laughs> Whack. Whack. Whack pack. It was an electric chair. It was pretty kinky. Oh. Actually, one more chair story. The day, I got, the day I got it, Seth came over to try it, got in the chair, it started massaging him, and then the power went out, and he was locked in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, like, clamped his ass. Yeah. It was, like, funny. It's just that he was like, I, I can't move. I'm literally you stuck in your the power back on. I'm like, I don't think, like, a wrench, a crowbar, like, there was no it way was out of that chair. It was swallowing me, yeah. yeah. It was like that thing in Ghostbusters. You will become one with me now. <laughs> it's a prison chair. You can capture people. <laughs> Get in the, the pink slime from Ghostbusters. Evan Goldberg, the massage chair killer. <laughs> you think you're just going to fuck my chair, and then you're fine. Exactly. Fuck my dick, it won't let go of my dick! The chair fucks you back. <laughs> oh, I love that horror movie. Fuck chair. Yeah. Fuck chair. All the, all the heating arms are exactly. just dicks. Dude, it wouldn't be any weirder than rubber. Like, yeah, rubber with the uh, A chair the about a possessed... A movie about a chair a about a tire. A chair oh, about a tire. Oh, I saw the trailer into that. Yeah, it's good. I was good. confused. And, you know, it's great because it, like, they take it real seriously. It's just this demonic I heard tire. it's really good, that movie. Yeah, is great. there is there a genre of film that you still are like, oh, we haven't cracked... We gotta figure that one out. I really want to make that. Uh, Probably not. Uh, an animated movie we're trying to make. Very hard. Space movie. Space. Space movie. We're working on Sword and Sandals? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sword and Sandal picture? <laughs> Actually, there's an answer. There's an answer. Musical. Yes, like a musical. A musical. That would we be would nice. We'd like to make something musical. We're... Terribly musical people. <laughs> we can't help but create music everywhere we go. Then we're like, why shouldn't we put this in the movies? Uh, we, yeah, that would be fun. We have some funny musical ideas we'd like to pull off one day. But it's hard. Just, you know, we have to, South Park guys. Yeah, we guy. have to wait enough yeah. time between Book of Mormon so we're not compared. <laughs> Again, Josh Gad. Yeah, exactly. Damn it. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I'll play him now. <laughs> Do you get to a certain point uh, where... You, because I feel like this happens with a lot of comedy people. They get to a certain point where they go, "I want people to know that I have this other dimension about me. I don't want to just be this." Do you, you probably need that other dimension in order to? Yeah, exactly. That. Yeah, I don't have that dimension. <laughs> I don't have another dimension. Uh, no, honestly, like I don't. Like it was fun to make take this waltz, but like I would kill myself if those were the types of movies I always made. You know, like it's it, it, it's way more fun to make funny movies. Like it just is. There's nothing better than like when you're on set and you're filming a scene and you're just like looking at the other people like I can't fucking believe this is happening right now like I can't believe like 200 people are working to make this ridiculous thing come to life <laughs> uh like those are like the best moments and and you just don't get those on serious movies very often I don't think so like that's what I'm always like chasing is like those moments where like you're filming something and you're just looking around like can you fucking believe this is happening? Like, <laughs> I think it, some of the best ones are usually with the props guy. Yeah, exactly. Be like, we don't know which dildo to use. We couldn't understand yeah, exactly. which script. <laughs> you go back to the dildo store yeah. and get the correct one. It is always that. Like, and that's what's fun. Like, I mean, you spend so much time making the movies that now it's like it's like you worry more about like will making the movie be fun than will the actual movie, you know. Like, you want it to turn out good, obviously, and that's, like, the goal. But, like, you want the process to be fun. Yeah, like you also you, want to have a good six months. Right? Yeah, like, you spend, yeah, you spend so much time making it. Actually, so you don't want to be point, yeah. If it wasn't fun, our friends would be like, I'm not fucking doing another one with these guys. Yeah, yeah. it's true. we got to right? maintain this shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we've set a hard precedent to live up to. <laughs> when you guys, up. when you guys write, because we've had, we had the Tom Lennon and Ben Garant on, and they were talking about how they write together, and it's sort of like, 
they'll just split it up and go, you write this, you write oh, this. Oh, we never We're do that. We're polar opposite. You we guys write together? Every, we have one computer, we sit together, I type with my left, he types with his right. <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah. <laughs> no, we like, yeah, like very early on, even like when he was in college for a while and I was here, we would like never split up work. We would... We would be on the phone or something. We'd brainstorm it. shit separately if we had to. Yeah. But when it came to like the written word, uh, we were so codependent that like we're not good at the shit the other guy's good right. at. Yeah. Because there was no point in getting good at it because he got it covered. So. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we would. Yeah, we would like never write dialogue without the other guy there. Yeah, just because every time we're writing and I make a mistake, and he's like, "No, it'd be funny if it was this." All I think is, "Well, if he wasn't here, I just would have written the bad one." Yeah. yeah. Um, so really quickly before we let you guys go, is there any? Is there any information, anything you can leak or say or something coming up that you're excited about or anything that you're working on? I don't know. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> uh, I heard what he said and I'm already excited. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, I heard sausage porn. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stick with that. Yeah. Yeah. We're making a sausage porn. A whack pack production. Yeah. Whack pack production. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, sausage party. That's what. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's something that, that that's what, something we're actually trying to make. We'll trying see. To, trying to make an animated movie called Sausage Party. Yeah, oh, this makes me very happy. <laughs> we'll so, let you try to figure out what the title might imply. Exactly. Um, a promorphic sausages. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's like cars, but with sausages. It pretty much yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> we're trying to make an offshoot yeah. of Pixar called Dixar. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they'll go for it. Gotta clear the rice from that big director in the seventies. You know the Dick Czar. Yeah, Yeah. the Dick Czar. He was appointed the United States' new Dick Czar. I think. I am your Dick Czar. He's the Minister of Dicks. But down here is the Dick Czar. The Dick Czar. Well, um, thank you so much for hanging out. Thanks for doing the TV show. And uh, this is the end. Is fucking awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, you you gave me a private screening of it at Sony, which was crazy because I was basically just alone in a theater. And a pro- I, I show up and a projectionist is like, okay, I'll start it. Like, I know, it's great. I have to see every movie this way. We can't do other movies, but if you want that experience again, over, I'll just yeah, watch exactly. that movie. We could probably again. swing like After Earth. That's a Sony movie. <laughs> <laughs> What's coming out? Cool. Thanks so much for being here, guys. Thank you, Abby guys. And yeah, Seth, no it's good to see you again. Awesome. Uh, enjoy your burrito, everyone. Yeah. Woohoo. Thank you so much, guys. <laughs> Thank you. God. That was awesome. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by LegalZoom.com. Whatever your legal document needs, LLCs, wills, trusts, trademarks, and more, they've got it. Over 12 years and 2 million Americans have used LegalZoom. Start your business or protect your family today at LegalZoom.com using the offer code NERDIST. This episode is brought to you by the effortlessly scrumptious bite of Skinny Pop Popcorn. Imagine this. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious kernels, a symphony of just three simple ingredients. Popcorn, sunflower oil, and a sprinkle of salt. No compromise, just pure snacking freedom. And hey, if you're up for a twist, dive into flavors like zesty white cheddar to sweet and salty kettle. Every bite's a delight, light and oh so tasty. Shop Skinny Pop now.